Welcome back. 2022 has been a busy time in gaming with many new releases coming. Many months have been just slam packed full of games where you just couldn't get all the games you wanted to be honest. If you're anything like me and play a lot of video games, you might have final months where you're thinking, wow, how am I going to get through these games, much less get through some of the games I have in my backlog to play them. It was just that busy this year with releases. And I have to say, it was a good time to be a gamer this year because we got a lot, no matter what you prefer, there was a lot going on. There was something for everyone. So I wanted to take this opportunity as we approach the end of 2022 to look back at some of my favorite games this year and just expound on why I like them and why they made such an impression on me. But first, if you're new here, make sure you follow us on our social platforms. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel. We appreciate all the support. If you're new here, we hope you enjoy what you're hearing and stick around. If you're returning, thank you for all the support over all this time. So let's dive right into things. I've got a couple here. It's no set number, no top five, ten, anything like that. I just have a couple that I was really impressed with, wanted to discuss, starting off with Pokemon Legends Arceus. Now, this was the first major innovation in a Pokemon game in a long time, since X and Y, really. X and Y revealed 3D models. It was a lot more there. You run around in the overworld. It was a lot more fleshed out than the 2D games that we saw in the past. If for no other reason than we had 3D models of the Pokemon, and we saw our our playable character running around in the, over, in the overworld as not just a little chibi sprite. It offered a lot to be thankful for if you were a fan of Pokemon. You had the ability to catch Pokemon without battling them, surprising them. You saw Pokemon in the overworld for one of the first times instead of seeing them as just in the grass and going into the grass and randomly encountering a Pokemon. You actually saw them in the overworld. And I think that was a major step in the right direction for the franchise. Going forward, as Game Freak and the Pokemon Company flesh this out, I know that we're going to get better and better games from this, and we're all going to have a better quality of title going forward. Just because of these smaller changes they did, they introduced Alpha Pokemon in this. It was set in the past in the Sinnoh region, focusing on Arceus, um, the Diamond and Pearl Clan, which would eventually become Team Galactic in those future games, as well as the legendaries that go with them. And I just had a lot of fun with it. I, I put it down for a while and I came back towards the end of this year, maybe in around October, and I was able to finally finish the title. I still got to go back and do a couple other things. There were the introductions of the origin forms of Palkia and Dialga, as well as Enamorous, the fourth weather mon that we have that goes along with Tornadus, Landorus, and uh, Thunderous. Of course, being set in the past, we played a time-traveling character who was thrust into the past and must help shape the region of Sinnoh. I just had a lot of fun with it. I don't know what it was exactly, but just being able to immerse yourself in the world where you can see Pokemon roaming around and doing their own thing as you would expect they would be if they were real in our world, it just goes a long way as a player to help you appreciate that world more and immerse you. Because in that case, you it's not just, hey, I'm going to wander in this grass. I'm going to run into a random Pokemon. It's like, oh, I see a Stantler over here. I've been, I've been looking for one of those. I can sneak up on it and try to catch it with a Pokeball, or I can battle it. 
there's just a lot to be thankful for if you're a fan of the Pokemon franchise and some of the changes they made for Pokemon Legends Arceus. Like, they will not stay in the mainline franchises. They will likely tweak the formula a bit more, but it just went to show, hey, this is what we can do with a Pokemon game. This is what a segmented world Pokemon game might be. I say segmented because it wasn't truly open world. You had to travel region to region, and it was kind of locked by fast traveling. So that was one limitation, but to do what they did with this title, you still have to give Game Freak their flowers because they did a whole lot. you you got to imagine doing game after game every year and they put this out. Man, you you know those guys are busy over there. But th that's why I, I just really like Pokemon Legends Arceus. Oh, and of course we got new uh, final evolutions for three existing Pokemon that would have been the, the Hisuian form of Samurott, Typhlosion, and Dekadui. So that's why it's one of my favorite games, and I had such a good time with it. I sank easily 50 hours in this game and still have much to do, so I've got to go back at some point to alleviate that, finish up the last little bit, capture Giratina, of course, but I'll go on from there and do that sometime in the future as the backlog permits. Moving on to that, to the game of the year for 2022, and that, of course, would be Elden Ring. Now, when Elden Ring came out, or when it was announced, I wasn't as high on it. I, I'm a fan of the Souls-like titles, but I usually get them, and at some point, I will hit a wall. I'll hit a wall, and I'll put the freaking game down, just because it's, it's hit that difficulty spike, or it's just a boss or something I cannot overcome. That did not happen with Elden Ring. I do not know if that's because of the quality of life improvements they've added by giving you the ability to have summons to help you in almost every battle, or they tweak the formula ever so much where it is not as difficult, but I died countless times. There were several bosses, including the Crucible Knight, which shall forever go down as one of my least favorite from software enemies because, my God, that guy was cheap. The Crucible Knight, and then when you face two of them, man, it's just difficult. For whatever reason, though, I stuck with this throughout. I, I looked at my playtime. I have over 200 hours in this game. I looked at my PlayStation rear, year in review, and my God, I sank a lot of time into this game. I did most of everything that there was to offer. I went most everywhere. I failed a couple quest lines, for, but for the most part, I did everything in this game. And I had such a great time doing it, despite... The fact that previously in years past I would play like Dark Souls 2 and 3 or or uh, Bloodborne. I'd play that co-op. I don't exactly have great internet out here in the woods so I can't do that now. So it's nice to have those summons to help you out along the way. Especially so if you get that Mimic tier. The Mimic tier is just broken or it was at one point. That with the River of Blood Katana toward the late game and you were destroying everything that crosses your path. It's a fun game. It's difficult. There are difficulty spikes. It's going to make you rage. It's going to make you want to cut it off and throw it down or whatever. But I encourage you to stick with it. If you're having even a little bit of fun, I promise you it is well worth the payoff. I've got a friend who hates the Souls games. He's not into those. He told me, you know, I wasn't going to pick it up, but the hype was built up so much and I picked it up and I'm having a lot of fun with it. And, and it goes... A long way to show you that even casuals, people who aren't into the Souls franchise difficulty, can have a lot of fun with this as well. And I'm kudos to From Software for having one of their titles reach universal acceptance. 
I know people are mad that Ragnarok didn't win game of the year, but if we're looking at hour for hour, dollar, bang for your buck, what you're getting out of it, Elden Ring is hands down the experience. God of War might have an extensive story and side quest that you can do, but nothing compared to Elden Ring. It is a fraction of the size of Elden Ring. And in Elden Ring, you don't have to, it doesn't have to take that long. I just chose to do everything and make sure I tried to take on every boss that I could. You can go through, you could probably breeze through the game in a fraction of the time I took, but I went everywhere and explored everything just because the world was so large and there was so much to do and to explore. It was such a good time to me. Elden Ring just scratched an itch that I had been having for a while. And man, I, I really wish that I did have a decent internet connection because I would probably run through this in co-op with a friend or two. Moving on from that to another title that is inspired by Souls-like title, and that would be Salt and Sacrifice. Salt and Sacrifice is the sequel to Salt and Sanctuary, a 2D Souls-like title where if you die, of course you lose you lose your, your salt, and you must go back to that particular location, kill that enemy that killed you, pick the salt up off the ground, and the salt, of course, is the currency used to level up. There is a lot to be liked about this game. It is 2D in nature. It is co-op, couch co-op or online. And that was the main reason I picked this up. My friend Philip and I had played the original title to completion, wandering around. That's one thing I will say about it. There's not exactly a map per se that you can follow and see where you're at. You kind of have to fumble around in the dark to see where you should be going. For instance, in the first game, we stumbled onto the final boss by a complete happenstance. But that's just a part of the experience wandering around trying to figure out where you're going. They did change things a bit with the second one. There are mages that you must hunt down. It's the mage hunt is the theme of the second game. And so you're hunting those down. You must attack them. They'll run away to another area, attack them a little bit more, take down a little bit more health. They'll run away again until finally you get to the final location. You beat them down until they are very low health. You'll get prompted to go over and absorb their heart. You take the mage's heart. And bam, you're done with that. We still haven't finished this. As I said, we are wandering around in this title as well, trying to find out where we should be going. It can be a little bit difficult at times, but that's part of the fun. And of course, you have your skill trees where you can level up. You use your salts to purchase or to level up. They will give you, I think they're called uh, pearls, black or white pearls. And then you would use those to obtain a slot in a skill tree that you wanted to level up. You can you can pretty much be anything in this game, unlike the Souls title where you would just allocate points and weapons and armor would be locked behind that. You must have this amount of strength to use this. In this, you have those skill nodes that must be unlocked. So if I want to use a Halberd, I can do so, but I must unlock this particular skill node. And then you can unlock it further to get more powerful versions of that or more better quality ones. Of all the Souls-like inspired titles, the Salt and Sacrifice, Salt and Sanctuary universe is probably one of my favorite. I have a lot of fun with those titles, and the artwork is nice as well. I encourage you, if you've never tried it out, you might want to pick it up. It's a lot of fun. It won't break the bank. I think it's about $30. It might be less than that. It might be $25. I could be incorrect there. From Salt and Sacrifice, we move on to God of War Ragnarok, a game that I'm still actively working on finishing, but is a excellent title. It is a incredible narrative experience 
that tells a wonderful story, continuing from the God of War reboot in 2018, or I should say the continuation of the God of War trilogy that we got in 2018. Because it does kind of stick with the canonical lore there. Kratos does mention from time to time that his past in Greece and everything. God of War Ragnarok, I don't have to tell you, if you've not been living under a rock for the last month or two, you know that it's a good title. And there's a lot of fun to be had there. I, I like that they have added... To me, it seemed like you had more attack and more options for attacks in the sequel in Ragnarok than you did in the original. It could just be me and having not played the original in some years, but I had a lot of fun. Now, with me, I originally did not even plan to pick up God of War Ragnarok on launch, but the closer we got, the more the hype built for me, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to go have to do this because I want to see the end of the story, and I know if I don't pick it up, I'll eventually just end up watching it on YouTube anyway and seeing what happens in that story because I'm bad about googling everything spoiling everything for myself I, I think I've spoiled the ending for Ragnarok already but at least I'm experiencing it as well now you have more attacks there's an extra weapon you can utilize as well won't spoil what that is but I'm sure that if you've seen any gameplay you've likely seen that as of yet Ragnarok is a logical next step in the God of War game I thought that they might try to give us a trilogy instead of making it a second title, but hey, I'm, I'm happy with what we got. It's, it's a fun experience. I'm actively playing through it now. Pretty much any of the evenings that I have free time, I am playing on the game trying to find those Berserker Graves. There's no stone left unturned in every area I am in. I know I could rush through the story, but I'm having such a good time going through the world and doing all the side quests, getting the extra things you can, the extra lore, relics. And I'm going to continue to do so until I either get burnt out on the game or I decide, hey, let's, let's just make a final push through this or I just naturally make it through the game, which I don't think I'm far from nearing the end of the game at this point. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot you can do, a lot more nuance to the combat if you ask me because it, every one of your abilities you can get, they can be upgraded to add extra damage, stun, or elemental ability. They just tried to flesh out the skill tree a little bit more, it seems to me at least. Moving on from these action-packed titles to something a little bit more slow-paced and that is Triangle Strategy. Now, this game released in February or March, and I was very hyped for this because I'm a big fan of the Final Fantasy Tactics games. In the past, I played through Final Fantasy Tactics. I modded it a little bit on my original PlayStation as well to add trunks in there, add cloud in there, teleport abilities, everything, and you can do a lot with that game. With Triangle Strategy, it seems it's a little bit more streamlined. One qualm I have with it is that there are there's no job system so you can't change your class to whatever you might want and in the Final Fantasy Tactics game and the one on the Game Boy Advance I believe I believe there were jobs that you could choose well in this you simply have a primary job you can you can you can't change that you learn things naturally as you level up and everybody has their own set class every character is unique there are no basic just, hey, Soldier 1, you name it, which was a problem with the Rangel's Tactics game, but I imagine they did that due to the limitations of the system and memory of the time. 
so in this you have you'll have archers you'll have mages one's a frost mage what's a ice mage one's frost one is a fire mage had uh hanette who was the archer on eat back of an eagle who was the absolute og of this game she is the most op character you can get this is a wonderful story to be told about the salt iron wars between the three nations as well as the shaky peace that they have going on now leading up to inevitable more con inevitably more conflict it tells a wonderful story it does so in a in a nice way utilizing those 2.5d sprites that square enix has come known for team asano i believe it was who does these as a fan of a tactics game i can say this is up there for me over the course of the year i have discovered that i am getting a back into those tactics games a lot more even so because i'm i've picked up with a black friday or i'm i should say these holiday sales i picked up two other deal field chronicles and tactics ogre reborn as well so i'm going to try to play through those and i've just i've noticed that my love for tactics based games has just increased this year or i've discovered a newfound love for them over the course of the year i can't say for sure but i will say that i recommend triangle strategy to anybody who might have been on the fence or just passed it off or didn't think it was their cup of tea now if you're not into strategy games turn-based strategy games it's not going to be for you but if you are and you like that art style that square enix has become synonymous for as of late you're going to love this i definitely recommend it from that, moving to TMNT Shredder's Revenge. This is a spiritual successor to Turtles in Time. It's not the longest game in the world. It is an arcade beat-em-up featuring, featuring the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Growing up in the 90s, I was a fan of the franchise. I watched all the movies, the live-action movies when I was younger. They weren't the best, no, but I, I did enjoy them. I did so enjoy them. Had a Michelangelo pillow I slept with when I was a little boy. So I was a fan of the franchise as a whole. I'd never played Turtles in Time. But when this game was announced, I looked at it and I said, this looks like it's going to be an interesting title. It looks like it would be a lot of fun, especially so if you have somebody to play through with. I played through with my buddy Philip. My kid and I are still working on our playthrough whenever I can get her off the phone and TikTok. I'm going to try to get her on there and we'll try to play that one day. Oh, and whenever I get her off of Pokemon Violet because she's currently running through that, trying to finish that as quickly as possible. A fun beat-em-up title. If you're into beat-em-ups, into the Turtles franchise, you're going to have a good time with this. The final title that I really, really enjoyed in 2022. Now, keep in mind, I didn't get to play everything. I did play a good bit of games this year. I picked up a lot of stuff that came out. I still have to get the Callista Protocol. Haven't played that. I barely dented Horizon Forbidden West, and that's because Elden Ring took my full attention, and then it was a game after game after that. But, of course, I am talking about Pokemon Scarlet, the version that I played through. I did not play through Violet. My, my kid and I divvied up who was going to get what at the beginning of the year. I foolishly told her I wanted Scarlet, just because I liked the color. And then the legendaries were revealed, and I was disappointed. <laughs> so, I played through Scarlet. Now, after playing through the title, I will tell you that I'm not disappointed. Coridon is cool and is on right. It doesn't look as derpy as I would have thought he would running around. And 
overall, there are not that many differences aside from the legendary, some exclusives, and the paradox Pokemon. What this title did for the future of Pokemon games can't be overstated. There is a lot to be said about what Pokemon Legends Arceus did, and Pokemon Scarlet took that to the next level. It is a truly open world game, albeit with glitches galore due to the fact that things must load in. I'm not sure how they'll remedy this, but I'm sure if they go to the drawing board and the grinding as they should be right now, by the time that we get the DLC in November, they will have the formula polished up and at that point the proprietary engine that they're using will be just that much better for us in the next mainline title, which we should get next, not 2024, we should get. There's a lot of new Pokemon in this. Annihilate is one of my favorite. There's a lot to do. There are three different quest lines in this title as opposed to the other mainline titles where you just go after the badges. You've got to take on the Path of Legends, take down the Titans, you've got to do the Gym Challenge, and you've got to take on Team Star. And then you've got a pretty tough post-game battle as well. There's a lot to do and a lot to love. If you're a friend, if you're a fan of the Pokemon franchise, you've likely already picked this up. And me talking about it isn't going to do anything to sway your opinion. If you're on the fence and you've been eyeing the franchise and you say, "Hey, you know, Pokemon looks pretty cool now. Now that it's not these just two 3D or 2D sprites that stay in, in place and dance around a little bit," you might check it out. It's a really good game. Despite all its flaws, I think that when it's patched up, it will probably be remembered as one of the best Pokemon games. If for no other reason than how it has innovated so and given us so much. I mean, there's about 80 hours worth of content in this game. And that's not counting going around to complete your Pokedex. That's just counting the mainline story. So, for bang for your buck, you're definitely getting your money's worth. And it is well worth the cost of admission. As I stated, I have not played every game that has released this year. I do have a full-time job, and I just don't have enough hours in the day. I have a family. I have obligations that I must take care of as well. I enjoy playing what I am able to, and I try to pick up what I see that interests me. A lot of times, I'll pick something up like Triangle Strategy on launch, and it'll set in the backlog for months until I pick it up. But once I get into it, I sink my teeth into something like that. These are just some of the games that I have enjoyed in 2022. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Let us know what some of your favorite games released this year were. Were they on the list? Did they not make the list? Did I just overhype some of these titles? Did you just feel that I'm completely wrong? Let me know. As always, thank you. If, you, if you're new here, thanks for listening. If you've stick, stuck around since the beginning, we appreciate your support and you sticking with us there. Let us know anything we can do to improve the experience for you guys. You can always reach us at woodyougaming at gmail.com or on one of our social platforms. Hit us in the DMs. You guys enjoy.